Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. They take care of our air conditioning, do a great job in their Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Give them a call. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. To find out more, visit the website lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Law, the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, always an advocate for public school education and reform. We're also uh, going to visit with Michael Cannon. He's the director of health studies at the Cato Institute. Also found out we're going to be able to visit with Byron Donalds this morning. He's our newly elected. In fact, he's going to be sworn in on January the 3rd as our new U.S. representative representing our area. And then Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, always has great commentary on what's happening here locally and across the country. It is December the 31st, the last day of the year, and on this day in 1879, in the first public demonstration of his incandescent light bulb, American inventor Thomas Alva Edison lit up at the uh, street in Menlo Park, New Jersey. Interesting, Menlo Park, of course, uh, in both uh, sides of the country, has been famous for what's happened with technology. The Pennsylvania Railroad Company ran special trains to Menlo Park on that day of the demonstration in response to public enthusiasm over the event. After countless tests, Edison developed a high-resistance carbon thread filament that burned steadily for hours and like an electric generator sophisticated enough to power large lighting systems. He was born in Milan, Ohio in 1847. He received little formal education, which was customary for most Americans at the time. He developed serious hearing problems as an early age. In fact, I read a, his biography when I was in, I think, elementary school. It, <laughs> the, it said at the time that he had uh, been knocked off the train by the conductor and uh, ended up suffering ear damage. And anyhow, this disability uh, provided the motivation for many of his inventions. At age 16, he found work as a telegraph operator, and soon he was devoting much of his time and natural energy and ingenuity towards improving the telegraph system. By 1869, he was pursuing invention full-time, and by 1876, moved into a laboratory and machine shop in Menlo Park, New Jersey. Edison's experiments were guided by his remarkable intuition, but he also took care to employ assistants who provided the mathematical and technical expertise he lacked at Menlo Park. Edison continued his work on the telegraph, and in 1877, he stumbled on one of his great inventions, the phonograph while working on a way to record telephone communication. Public demonstrations of the phonograph made the Yankee inventor world famous, and he was dubbed the Wizard of Menlo Park. In 1877, he opened his world's first industrial research laboratory at West Orange, New Jersey, where he employed dozens of workers to investigate systematically a given subject. Perhaps his greatest contribution to the modern industrial world came from his work with electricity. He developed a complete electrical distribution system or light and power, and set up the world's first uh, public power plant in New York City. and invented the alkaline battery, the first electric railroad, and a host of other inventions that laid the basis for the modern electrical world. One of the most prolific inventors in history uh, can continue to work until his 80s. He actually died of uh, uh, diabetes. He acquired uh, 1,093 patents in his lifetime, 
and died in 1931 at the age of 84. A remarkable man. I'm sure that our electrical grid right now is uh, the product, or at least the launching pad, uh, for uh, what he invented back in the day. Amazing story of Thomas Alva Edison. Well, the uh, Florida Department of Health reported 127 new cases of COVID-19 and two additional deaths related to uh, COVID-19 here in Collier County. That happened yesterday. A military health system scientist may have found a promising lead on COVID-19 antibody treatment lurking within the blood of a llama named Cormac. Cormac, along with others of his kind, produces what researchers describe as nanobodies, otherwise known as miniature antibodies. They can reach where larger antibodies cannot. The tiny proteins appear to protect against COVID-19 and can be used in a liquid or aerosol form to protect human lungs, scientists say. Uh, the team found that Cormac uh, produced one particular nanobody that is particularly helpful in fighting what they call spike proteins that enable infections to take hold. One of the exciting things about nanobodies is that, unlike most regular antibodies, they can be aerosoled and inhaled to coat the lungs and airways, Brody said. This is promising in that it could potentially be used to protect the lungs from infections. Researchers have not said if or when the llama therapeutics would be available to the public. But so interesting, isn't it? And wouldn't it be interesting that all of a sudden <laughs> there'd be a spike in llama sales uh, around the world? Well, Senator Josh Hawley today became, or yesterday, became the first U.S. senator to announce he could not vote to certify the fraudulent 2020 election for president. After this courageous move, the frankly, uh, that frankly even Republican in the uh, political position in the U.S., should be making. I'm saying everyone should. Holly was attacked. Uh, totally unimpressive and loudmouth Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar was one of the first to attack Holly, calling his actions a coup attempt. But the Walmart, at <laughs> Walmart attacked Holly by tweeting, "Go ahead, get your two-hour debate, sore loser." Now, what? Who into the charge of corporate communications would allow that to happen? Anyhow, Holly replied, uh, "Thanks, Walmart, for your insulting condescension." Now that you've insulted 75 million Americans, will you at least apologize for using slave labor? And then he also replied, or maybe you'd like to apologize for the pathetic wages you pay your workers as you drive mom and pop stores out of business. <laughs> what was Walmart? What did they hope to get out of this? And I don't know about you. I don't go to Walmart, but I don't think I'll ever go again. How about you? I don't know. Well, anyhow, President Trump, thank you, by the way, Senator Hawley, for being the first senator to stand up and say that you'll uh, support the effort to examine uh, the ballots on the 6th, or question the ballots on the 6th of January. President Trump's campaign advisor said the team is aiming to present evidence during a potential congressional debate on January 6th if lawmakers in the House and Senate object to the Senate's or state's electoral college votes. So it looks like the pins are set for a big day on January the 6th. I don't know if you've seen this speech the president gave. Nobody ran this thing, but it's about 11 minutes long. And uh, I'm thinking about, I wasn't going to do a show tomorrow, but I'm thinking of doing a show and actually playing that because I think it's so important. One of the best speeches I think he's ever given. Well, a federal judge in Iowa who's warned against political corruption is ridiculing President Trump's pardons, including those issued to convicted Republican campaign operatives and former members of Congress. It's not surprising that a criminal like Trump pardons other criminals this is senior U.S. District Judge Robert Pratt of the Southern District of Iowa told the Associated Press. 
in a bit of humor, he added, he, but apparently to get a pardon, one has to be either a Republican, a convicted child murderer, or a turkey. Ha ha ha. Pretty funny, Pratt. Anyhow, Pratt was referring to pardon Trump, pardons Trump granted to his foreign campaign aides convicted during special counsel's Russian inquiry. So, uh, I don't know, who, who appoints these bozos to the bench anyhow? It seems to me that any partisan on the bench would want to be remain nonpartisan, just like Walmart should keep their mouth shut as well. I just can't understand why he'd want to come out with that comment. Reduces his stock. We just have too many people in this position on the, on the bench in courts. Although the president, of course, has named hundreds of uh, new judges who commit to keeping and, and uh, supporting the Constitution. Well, a witness claimed in front of the state Senate in Georgia that uh, hacked into a Georgia runoff election system establishing two-way communication from a polling pad in a voting center. This is a tech, uh, tech expert, avid inventor and patent holder Joven Hutton Pulitzer of the Gold Institute of International Strategy delivered his explosive testimony yesterday before the state Senate subcommittee claiming that one Fulton County uh, voting machine is connected to the Internet. At this very moment at the polling location in the county, not only do we have access to the devices in the poll pad, the system, but we are in. It's not supposed to have Wi-Fi, and it's not supposed to be able to, ha to happen, he said. This is, of course, he was testifying, testifying to the uh, legislature. Speaking of the situation, Pulitzer explained that it's communicating two ways in real time, meaning it's receiving data and sending data, he reiterated, and this should never happen. That's going on right there where everybody's voting, you asserted, and I just wanted to uh, get it on the record. That's amazing testimony. He actually hacked into and got on the machine and said that he could manipulate what was going on. I didn't realize the Department of Justice was looking into this, but a new report from to Justice, Department of Justice advisor John Lott concludes that up to 368,000 excess votes tipped election outcomes in favor of Joe Biden in the critical swing states. He's a noted crime and gun researcher, alleged the uh, wide-scale vote fraud plagued the recent presidential election, potentially accounting for Biden's win in states such as Georgia and Pennsylvania. Increased fraud can take many forms, higher rates of filing of absentee ballots for people who hadn't voted, Dead people voting, ineligible people voting, or even payments to uh, legally registered people for their votes. The best estimated here indicates that there were 70,000 to 79,000 excess votes in Georgia and Pennsylvania, adding Arizona, Michigan, Nevada, and Wisconsin. The total increased to up to 289,000 excess votes, he reported. Louder now serves as a senior advisor for research and statistics at the Office of Justice Programs. Also, adds that there are two reasons to even believe the affirmation to our underestimates. And he goes on to give those reasons. But the point is this, again, from the Justice Department, hundreds of thousands of votes in excess or fraudulent votes. This is all going to be so interesting on uh, January the 6th. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine, be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Keith Law, the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. In only eight years, they're doing so many great things to influence uh, the outcome of legislation in both uh, states around the country as well as nationally. One of the big programs is creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and I proudly serve on their board. I hope you'll visit their website, thefga.org, thefga.org. Well, Keith uh, apparently wasn't available. I gave him a call. We had arranged for him to be on the show, but I've got lots of stuff to talk about. Very interesting as well. Uh, you may be aware that uh, Joe Biden's been making accusations that he's not getting the information he deserves for the, from the Defense Department. Well, the Pentagon had harsh words for him and claimed that the Defense Department wasn't allowing them to do access to information. They categorically denied what Biden team has been saying, and they were willfully obstructing the transition process. Yesterday, Biden said, My team needs a clear picture of our force posture around the world and our operations to deter our enemies. From some agencies, our team has re uh, received exemplary cooperation. From others, most notably the Department of Defense, we've encountered obstruction from the political leadership of the department. He continued, we have the encountered roadblocks from the political leadership at the Department of Defense and Office of Management and Budget. Right now, we are just aren't getting all the information that we need for an ongoing administration in key national security areas. 
It's nothing short, in my view, of irresponsibility, said the quote-unquote president-elect. You know, based on everything I, I see, I don't think he's going to be elected president. But standing Defense Secretary Chris Miller responded in a statement. He said the Department of Defense has conducted 164 interviews with over 400 individuals and provided over 5,000 pages of, of documents, far more than initially requested by Biden's administration transition team. Uh, the Department of Defense's efforts have already surpassed those of recent administrations with over three weeks to go, and we continue to schedule additional meetings for the remainder of the transition and answer any and all questions for information in our purview. He also added, our uh, Department of Defense political and career officials have been working with the utmost professionalism to support uh, transition activities in a compressed time schedule that we will continue to do in a transparent and collegial manner that upholds the finest traditions of the department. The American people expect nothing less, and that is what we remain and committed to do uh, with the Biden team. So again, Biden uh, doing some saber-rattling here, but it's not doing much good because apparently everybody's cooperating. Again, uh, I, don't think he, I don't think he's going to be president. This is such an interesting time in American history, and we'll find out how this all plays out. But uh, I truly believe that uh, Josh Hawley, being the first senator to say that he is going to support the president on January the 6th, several congresspeople have already uh, done so. And then, uh, uh, you know, I think the, uh, Michael Pence is going to be prepared for the, for the uh, day. It's going to be very, very demanding on him. He's going to be very uh, under a lot of criticism, but it's going to take some real courage, political and moral courage, to do what has to be done. I think it's going to happen on January the 6th. We'll see. And whatever happens, happens. Uh, ultimately, we will support the president, whoever it might be. Well, a high school senior in Nevada is suing his charter school over what he calls the coercive ideological indoctrination imposed by the school's critical race theory-based curriculum. The student who is mixed race contain, uh, contends that the curriculum forces students at the taxpayer-funded school in, to connect elements of their identities with oppression. The lawsuit, which was filed last week in Nevada in the federal court system, claims that the student, as well as his mother's First and Fourteenth Amendment rights were violated when students were told that refusing to identify with the oppressed group was a sign of privilege and an ind indication of being an oppressor. Can you believe this crap is being taught in public schools? Well, this is a charter school, but it's, it's uh, taxpayer-funded. The student's mother, Gabriel Clark, who is black, claims that her son was subjected to the hostile classroom environment at a democracy prep. At democracy prep, she alleges that her child faced discrimination during the school's year-long mandatory course of sociology of change. Clark claims that she and other parents were unaware of the school's sharp pivot towards a curriculum of coercive ideological indoctrination. The school's curriculum had evidently been altered in recent years, but classes kept the same names, meaning some parents were unaware of the substantive change to their children's education until they began seeing the de detrimental effects it worked upon their children. That, according to the lawsuit, the curriculum, uh, new curriculum inserted con uh, consciousness, raising, conditioning exercises under the banner of intersectionality and critical race theory, according to the lawsuit. These sessions are not descriptive or inf informative in nature, but normative and prescriptive. They require pupils to unlearn and fight back against oppressive structures allegedly implicit in their family arrangements, religious beliefs, 
and practices, racial, sexual, and gender identities, all of which they are required to divulge and subject to non-private interrogation. Isn't that awful? Can you imagine that? They're really programming the kids, making them feel guilty about who they are. Can't think of anything worse. Clark's son was reportedly instructed at school to unlearn the basic Judeo-Christian principles his mother imparted to him, and then the school retaliated against him. As part of school assignments, students were required to reveal racial, sexual, gender, sexual orientation, disabilities, and religious identities. Students were also routinely referred to as, by their instructors as social justice warriors. Can you believe this? Sue claims that the students that uh, the student is being forced by his school to make professions about uh, professions. I mean, he's confessing about his racial, sexual, gender, and religious identities in verbal class exercises and in graded written homework assignments, which are subject subject to the scrutiny, interrogation, and, and derogatory labeling of students, teachers, and school administrators. That's the uh, language in the suit. In addition to being coerced to accept and affirm uh, discriminatory claims, which he does not agree with, legal complaint claims the students was re- were regularly threatened with material harm, including a failing grade and non-graduation if he failed to comply with the requirements. So this is the crap that's being taught in at least one school, and you can be sure that that stuff is uh, leaking into school systems all across the country. Uh, we, Keith Flaw, and he is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, and I'm sorry I wasn't able to join us, but uh, he has been working for the last eight years, developing relationships with legislators, with uh, the governor, uh, with the uh, commissioner of education, to ferret out some of these problems, change of uh, the uh, administ of the uh, what was they called? It was called uh, <laughs> I forgot what the the former curriculum was called, but that's all been changed now. And in in large part because of the work of uh, the Florida Citizens Alliance. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Michael Cannon. Michael Cannon is the director of uh, health studies at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Offshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, 
and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And this performance is just outstanding. You can get tickets by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with our new U.S. representative, Byron Donalds. He's been being sworn in on January the 3rd. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. Michael is the director of health studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Bob. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, Michael. Uh, tell us about the Cato Institute. So the Cato Institute is a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. We try to provide a voice in public debates for the traditional American ideas of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. We want you to be able to make the decisions that affect your life rather than have a more hierarchical society where you have these overlords in Washington, D.C. or even in state capitals making those decisions for you. Well, there's a lot of that going on, actually. <laughs> I think it's very appropriate that you're uh, addressing this subject, Michael. And uh, right now, of course, we've got the government involved in the distribution of vaccines. And I thought it may be appropriate for us to talk about what's going on now and get your thoughts on that. Well, remember, the government uh, gave a lot of money to pharmaceutical companies to encourage them to develop these vaccines. And the government promised to buy a lot of these vaccines as well. Uh, and I think that can be defensible, but then it creates this problem of, okay, how is the government going to distribute these vaccines once they become available, once, once they're ready to ship? And the federal government left that up to state governments, uh, and state governments came up with different plans. And a lot of people derided the idea of just saying, hey, let the pharmaceutical companies sell them to whoever is willing to buy them at whatever price those people are willing to pay. But now there's a lot of evidence emerging that that might have been a really good idea. You know, there are people who wanted to spend, uh, there, there are indications that some people wanted to pay, were willing to pay dollars for a vaccine. There, there's one uh, anecdotal report of someone offering to make a contra, quote contribution to Cedar Sinai uh, in California uh, in the amount of twenty four thousand dollars just to jump the queue and get a vaccine. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of demand out there, a lot of willingness to pay lots of money, but instead we have the government coming up with rules about who's going to get the vaccines first, and it turns out that those rules aren't working very well. Uh, we're getting anecdotal reports now from places like Louisville, Kentucky, from places like San Diego, that there are uh, uh, companies, uh, healthcare companies, uh, uh, Walgreens, that can't 
move these drugs or move these vaccines fast enough and they're having to give them away before they expire. And there's even one report from Wisconsin that uh, COVID-19 vaccines have expired. They've gone past their expiration date. And these are vaccines that could have been saving lives, preventing transmission. Wow. Uh, but instead, instead they're expiring. This would not have happened if you had been able, if we had let pharmaceutical companies charge whatever they wanted for these vaccines and let markets and market prices decide who gets them. Uh, because if these things are as valuable to some people as $24,000, there's no way that they are going to expire on uh, in some freezer. That is so interesting. I, I would say, uh, uh, just to defend what's happening in Florida, uh, the governor, I think, has just done a great job with handling this pandemic as well as, well as the rest of his duties. And uh, he's just said, you know what, we're not going to follow the CDC guidelines for distribution. We're going to simply uh, make sure the people who are most vulnerable are going to get the vaccine first. Now, the interesting thing, though, is that we have people waiting in lines for 11 hours up in Lee County, I understand, in the in, in, you know, in which can't be safe, actually. I'm sure there's not six feet of, uh, of separation up there. Uh, anyhow, to get the vaccine. So the demand is high, as you're pointing out. Uh, so it's, it's kind of an interesting dilemma. The president decided he would purchase with government funds, the uh, vaccine. So it's, it's kind of a conundrum, isn't it? It makes it a difficult, uh, but, but I agree with your principle, which is basically it should be distributed privately and, and, uh, let the markets determine how it's distributed. And let's say your governor, Ron DeSantis uh-huh. is an absolute genius. Okay. Let's say he was able to come up with the Optimal, perfect, cannot be improved upon strategy for rationing the available uh, vaccines. He knows exactly who should get the vaccine first and in what order and, and, and on down the line. Let's say he could come up with that strategy uh, and, and, and said that's going to be the law of the land in Florida. You still have the problem of motivating people to get the vaccine to all of those people uh, who need to get it in order to get the maximum benefit mm-hmm. from this mm-hmm. from this product. And as long as, and if you want to motivate people, and the problem of, of vaccines uh, expiring on the, on the shelf or in the freezer is a problem of, it, it, that means that we haven't motivated people properly. We haven't motivated them to, uh, to line up to get the vaccine, and we haven't motivated them to hire enough people to 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 administer the vaccine, and that's why, um, and that's why they're expiring. And and the wonderful thing about market prices is they will motivate both sides of that equation, both the producer and the consumer side. The consumers, if they're going to spend, if they're willing to spend twenty four thousand dollars, and they are going to be in line, they're going to be there for their appointment on the you know the, at the appointed time or early. And the producers uh, or the sellers of these vaccines. They are going to make sure that they have enough product and that they have enough competent people to uh, to administer this vaccine, yeah. so that they don't miss out on that twenty four thousand dollars. Yeah, that's and such an interesting point. In addition, point. Uh, charging, being able to charge that much money or however much money the market is willing to bear, is going to motivate the pharmaceutical companies to ramp up production as much as is possible. So, I am glad that uh, that that. that States were the ones making these decisions about how to ration the vaccine rather than the federal government. But I'm not sure that states could even, uh, even states could improve upon 
Uh, the the well, vaccine strategy that we would get if we just let market forces guide. I get, well, all this discussion is reminding me of what happened back in Jimmy Carter's administration with uh, the price of gasoline. He decided he was going to cap the price, wasn't going to let it go up because of what that was happening with the uh, petroleum cartel. So uh, <laughs> we ended up standing in line. We First of all, based on our, I think it was our license plate number, uh, if it ended up uh, on one on an even number, we had to go one day, and then the uh, other odd numbers would go on the other day. The point being is you stand in line. It was a tremendous inconvenience, a loss of time and productivity for American people. Just allowed the uh, the market to determine how, how this is all going to play out. Well, you don't have to reach back 40 years like that mm. uh, in order to find these examples of government preventing market prices from eliminating scarcity. You have hurricanes in Florida, as I recall. Yeah. Sometimes after these hurricanes hit, there are shortages of things like water, and I can't remember what the uh, what the ga- and the, uh, <clears throat> the the price control laws are in Florida, but in other states they have these so-called anti-gouging laws that make it impossible for people to eliminate those shortages just because they ban market prices for these products. Now we have the same and, thing going on here in Florida. I mean, we have that. What there's a penalty for price gouging, and it's a criminal. Uh, it's a pretty severe charge if, in fact, you end up uh, charging more than the market price during the emergency. People get penalized. That's totally wrong. People, the the person, the uh, business person or the business that has the commodity should be able to set the price based on the on the uh, demand. And it's the same story as the vaccine story and the gas line story. If you cap the price of something like water after a natural disaster then there's going to be all sorts of unmet demands for water in, in, in the area hit by that disaster, while you know, tons and tons of bottled water uh, are in other places uh, just sitting there, lying fallow, thankfully not expiring, but not getting to where they are needed the most because you're, you have prohibited the mechanism that motivates people on the producer side to get that water yeah. to where people need it the most. And you've also created a perverse incentive on the consumer side where you encourage people to hoard what water they have mm-hmm. rather than, um, uh, rather than uh, ration their own consumption and even sell water to those who might need it more than they do. Michael, so well said. A champion of uh, private markets, free enterprise, individual liberty, making our own personal decisions. Really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Uh, again, Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. Michael, Happy New Year, and again, thank you so much for joining us. Happy New Year to you, too, Bob. Stay safe. Th- thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Byron Donalds, our uh, new, newly elected uh, U.S. representative. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. 
imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to do a little shout-out to Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. I hope you'll stop by and have a great breakfast or lunch. They do a great job and big supporters of uh, St. Matthew's House. We stopped by St. Matthew's House yesterday and dropped off some lightly used or light, gently, gently used clothing to, for the benefit of St. Matthew's House. Great organization. Again, Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. We have with us... Keith Flaw. Keith is the co-founder of Florida Citizens Alliance. Uh, the show's kind of scrambled. This kind of a, uh, creates some excitement for the host. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry so, about that, Bob. Yeah, so now we have with us Keith Flaw. He is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, again, I apologize for being a bit late. Uh, not a worry. So uh, I had called Byron Donalds. He didn't answer. I said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and call uh, Keith and see if he's available. Keith, tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, Florida Citizens Alliance is a grassroots group um, here in Florida that focuses exclusively on K-12 education reform. Um, we've uh, grown from about a, about 60,000 people in our active support base at the beginning of the year to now over 110,000. Uh, we've just added in the last four months 50,000 parents with kids 17 and under the home. Uh, we focus on, uh, we're strong advocates for school choice. Um, I usually call it parental choice now because school choice uh, has um, some, it's, it's interpreted differently by different folks. Right. Um, and we're also strongly opposed to getting rid of the indoctrination. Uh, uh, we're yeah. trying to get rid of the indoctrination. Yeah. We're opposed to it, and we're trying to get rid of it. So. Yeah. GoFLCA.org is the website, or .com is the website. GoFLCA.com. Keith, earlier in the show, I, I was reading a, 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 a narrative about a kid that filed a lawsuit in his mom against the charter school that they were attending because of the uh, indoctrination you know, the, uh, uh, that's, that's going on right now. A substantial lawsuit. I thought it just made me so proud of the mother and her son to be doing that because they were asking him to admit that he was a racist or he was uh, oppressing other people. And if he would admit that, then he's one of the oppressors and all this nonsense. 
Uh, you, you can imagine what that does to the psyche of this young person. Are we seeing any of that in Florida schools? Uh, I believe so, and and but we deal with it. Uh, and that that case was in Nevada, if I remember correctly. I huh. scanned it uh, a couple of days ago, um, and I'm sure it's happening here. Uh, I'm hearing over and over again individual cases where they're pushing uh, LGBTQ at uh, at kids in very young age, yeah. and the parents just are totally upset with it. Yeah. We have a we have an interesting mechanism here in Florida. We've talked about it on your show, and that's the Hope Scholarship. Um, you know, filing a lawsuit against uh, the government is both timely and and depending on who you get as a judge these days in the courts, yeah, uh, you may or may not be successful. Uh, here in Florida, if you have that kind of a situation, you don't have to prove anything. You just have to uh, f file the complaint, fill out a notification form, and the day you do, you're eligible to a Hope Scholarship up to $8,000 to send your child to a private school. Yeah, and let me I just underscore just uh, for a moment that you don't have to. It's not arbitrated. Nobody's no judge is going to look at it. Once the right. once the thing is filed, it's done. You get to right. uh, make a choice. I think you get an allowance for uh, funding uh, the school of your choice. It could be a public school or a, a private school. If it's a public school, then you get a tra uh, in a you know out of district, then you get a, a seven hundred fifty dollar per month. Um, voucher to send your child to a private school. Wow! Uh, uh, if it's uh, uh, if it's a, uh, a private school that you're interested in sending them to, you get up to an eight thousand dollar voucher per year to send your child to that uh, private school of your choice. That's amazing. So, Keith, I mean, your organization has done a great job, and uh, uh, maybe you could highlight for us uh, what's happened here in 2020 and uh, what some of the accomplishments have been. Sure. Well, uh, one of the biggest uh, accomplishments um, is uh, our legislative success. Uh, every year for the last four years, uh, we we put together our legislative agenda or priorities. Uh, this year, uh, so far, uh, we've had teams in uh, over 15 counties take their legislative agenda to their local legislators. Um, School boards? There's another... There's another 15 scheduled for January, so it's just a timing issue. So before session, we will have had teams in over 30 counties take our legislative agenda to the uh, to, to their legislators. And a couple of really big things moving there. Uh, we have been working, as you recall and your audience may recall, to try to get rid of the pornography and enhance the – we just got uh, agreement last week. Uh, Senator Anna, Anna Maria Rodriguez over in, in Miami is anxious. Uh, she jumped at the opportunity to file that bill, and we've got a House rep up in near Ocala that's uh, agreed, agreed to file it as well. So that bill is going to be filed and start moving through the House, so we're going to be promoting that heavily. Uh, we're also uh, have, have had two legislators, one in the House and the Senate, put a bill in, into bill writing, so it's not filed yet, but put a bill into bill writing on uh, uh, expanding virtual schools here in Florida to, to allow private schools to do their own virtual schools. So competition, more choice. That's great. Uh, so those are a couple of big items. Uh, I'm expecting to see some significant increase in parental choice. Uh, the scholarship programs we do have, uh, I think we'll, uh, based on what, what I'm hearing at various levels, uh, I'm expecting to see um, 
uh, maybe a combination, uh, a consolidation of the tax credit scholarship with the family empowerment scholarship. But really, there's uh, some serious talk about just uh, an education savings account, which um, we'll see whether that makes its way through the House and Senate. But so, it's a huge way to improve the education of our kids and dramatically save money, which yeah. there's going to be a lot of pressure to do this year because of COVID, right? Absolutely. So, so Keith, I mean, uh, I'd just like to point out that Florida is maybe one or two in the nation in terms of school choice or uh, parental choice, as, as we call it. You have done so much to the Florida Citizens Alliance to modify and change and make improvements in our school. I couldn't remember before in this conversation, but it's, it's common core that uh, right. uh, you work so hard to not only eliminate Common Core, but also replace it with something that has uh, great aspirations as well as great curriculum choices for uh, our public schools. So I just really appreciate yeah. the work that you're doing. Now, you've got an event coming up. I think it's on the 9th of uh, February, if I'm not mistaken, or 7th. 10th. The 10th? 10th. 10th February. You know, Linda and I signed up for it, and it's, uh, it's a pretty neat event. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, it was Kids and Country. Um, celebrating kids and country. We have three really dynamic speakers with very different life experiences. Uh, all f uh, have agreed to focus on the importance of education and, and what's been happening and in their view what we need to do to, to move forward. Um, our keynote speaker is Alveda King, who's the niece of Martin Luther King. Um, Senator DeMint, uh, who run, uh, is now, uh, he was with Heritage and now runs a a new uh, conservative organization. Uh, he's just actually uh, done a video for us to promote the event, so we just put that out yesterday, I believe. <clears throat> and the um, the third speaker, um, and most people may not recognize his name, but it's fa he's a fascinating fellow, uh, General Jerry Boykin. And when I'm talking to people, I'm saying, you know, General Boykin, I kind of get this blank stare. Yeah. Uh, and then the next thing I say, well, um, General Boykin was the Delta Force commander for Mogadishu, Black Hawk Down. Yeah. Rose to be a three-star general under uh, Obama until Obama relieved him and is now uh, an executive director for the Family Research Council and a pastor, believe it or not. Yeah, so, he's, and he's a frequent guest on uh, media outlets, major media yeah. outlets, too. He's, a, he's a, quite an impressive guy. You know, Lynn and I signed up for this thing, and uh, just encourage our listeners to do the same because while you're going to have a great evening of, uh, of uh, information and... Uh, you know, collegial and just inspirational type stuff also supports a great organization, the Florida yeah. Citizens Alliance. So, uh, Keith, how do we go about getting tickets and what can we do? Uh, you can go to our website. It's right on the front page, uh, goflca.com. Um, very easy to, and, and they're actually a short video from each of the three of them, um, you know, promoting the event. And so uh, it's, it's really easy. Um, it, it, we decided this year because of COVID and some other things, to just do a one-size-fits-all event. So we've integrated the whole event. will include the VIP portion. So anybody who signs up a ticket will will participate in both the VIP and the, and the gala dinner, if you will. All right. GoFLCA.com. GoFLCA.com. Keith, just genuinely appreciate the great work that you're doing on behalf of our kids and families associated with our public schools. Thank you so much for joining us, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Let's hope it's a little bit better than the one we just leaving. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much, Keith. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Follow Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their boards, and they do so many great things to support legislators to pass great legislation, both on a state and federal level. You'll find out more by visiting the FGA. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. He's one of the great citizens of our area in the Paradise Coast. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, it's it's New Year's Eve and a pleasure to be uh, on the show, as always. Absolutely. And I'm sure you and Chris have big plans to party tonight. (laughs) Actually, it's kind of a a tradition. I don't know how we we got into it, but um, uh, we go out with... uh, you know uh, Patrick O'Connor? Sure. And Brenda? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Patrick and Brenda and Chris and I always go to dinner. Well, we were doing the fireworks down there at the pier, but they're no longer, and I'm no longer mayor, so we can scratch that tradition. But uh, uh, <laughs> Well, we they're not having to... fireworks anyhow. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so we um, so we go to Pazzo uh, on 5th uh, sure. for dinner, and uh, and then we go home. <laughs> That's our New Year's well, Eve tradition. Well, yeah, the way we like to say it is it's got to be uh, midnight someplace. <laughs> yeah. We just go to bed. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, other than that, how about, how about you? Well, we're going uh, to do the same thing. We're just not going to go out to dinner. We're just going to, you know, actually, uh, I like New Year's Eve, but it's a day for me. It's a day of reflection uh, and inspiration, actually, to start thinking about what's this year going to look like and what do I want to accomplish and what do I want to do. And so... Uh, you know, I find it a, a just a great time to to uh, think about the future. Yeah, that's true. And boy, we got a lot. We have a lot of thinking to do about that, don't we? Oh man, well, it. it some people say, you know, it can't get worse than <laughs> it was in twenty twenty. Let's hope right. so. Anyhow, it's been a tough year. Yeah, I I think that many of us uh, are are um, are looking forward to to twenty one for a lot of good things. Um, I know I know we are. Um, because I don't know too many people that have said, "Boy, 2020 was the best year I ever I ever had." Well, for sure. In fact, uh, just in my case, you know, I, obviously the show is very much dependent upon our advertisers, and I so much appreciate Johnson's Air Conditioning and the Naples a Life in Naples magazine and uh, all my, all my advertisers, uh, Blue Provence, uh, the uh, Lula Bee's Diner. 
I mean, these people are in business. They, you know, this it hits everybody hard, and uh, I just appreciate them staying with me through this period of time. But my point is, I guess that you know, small business owners, uh, big businesses, who can probably get through this thing for the most part. These small business owners, uh, they, they're just—it's so tough on what what they've gone through, and it's—they uh, work so hard to build something, only to have this quote-unquote uh, pandemic uh, hurt their business and hurt them personally. Well. Yeah, and, and that's so true. But you know how lucky we are in Florida, seriously. Yeah. Because, you know, up where we have so many friends in upstate New York um, and the Buffalo area, and, I mean, they're closed down, Bob. I mean, 25% uh, indoors, no outdoors, uh, because it's obviously too cold. Um, and uh, um, at least here, we, you know, the businesses can be open. Oh, absolutely. In fact, uh, we were at Blue Provence last night. It was buzzing. Uh, they, oh yeah! They said they had uh, their uh, booked. They booked solid. They said everybody's working on tomorrow night. This would be New Year's Eve because they had like four hundred and fifty reservations. Wow! So, so <laughs> it's, oh. we're open for business here in Florida, and we're so grateful. And yet, look at what's happening in California. Uh, this uh, uh, Gretchen Whitmer in. Uh, I guess it's Michigan, or she was, she's Michigan. Oh, yeah. It's just unbelievable, uh, you know, lockdowns and prohibitions. They're just driving everybody out of business. And you know what? The evidence doesn't show that what they're doing is making any difference. In fact, in, in the case of California, they have a worse experience with COVID-19 than we have here in Florida. Right, right. And and so it, it, it isn't about the businesses, you know. I mean, but, you know, uh uh, switching switching gears for a minute, my, yep. my Buffalo Bills are uh, oh, oh, oh. are making a run for it, and the governor yesterday said he's going to allow fans in uh, for their first playoff game in 25 years. So <laughs> we have some we have something to look forward to. <laughs> well, I th and uh, congratulations to you because the Buffalo Bills have suffered so long uh, in terms of, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know what the cause of mediocrity is, but of course, me being a Patriots fan, the Buffalo yes. Bills kicked our butts <laughs> the other day. And, and I've, I, we've taken this uh, very quick slide into mediocrity here uh, since Tom Brady left uh, the Patriots. So it's such an interesting time right now. Well, uh, it, it, it is, and you know, they said a lot about Bill Belichick and it's your team is going to be in a rebuild now for for the next uh, uh, few years because uh, they really have lost a lot of their talent. Um, it's there. He's still a great coach and I don't think he's going anywhere, but it's a rebuild and I think it's a cycle and I think all the teams go through that, you yeah. know, over the years. So. It just so happens that maybe it's our time now. Well, I hope Linda wasn't watching that game uh, on Monday night. <laughs> well, we were watching it, actually. But <laughs> went to bed about 20 minutes into it, we realized we were going to get plowed. <laughs> but, you know, uh, the other thing, not to be defensive about the Patriots here, but uh, they, they had several of their best players actually decide to sit out the season. You, you may recall when the season started, right. that was a choice. So some of our best defensive players have sat out. I also think the quarterback, I'm going to defend him too. I think he's done a pretty good job. We actually, the Patriots have no receivers. I mean, just, right. you know, right. Edelman's out. Does a lot of the uh, the it was just very he, he he i found he had no targets to throw to most of the time because everybody was covered so uh, i hope he, quick, and, i hope so, he stays so, on yeah i was going to ask you do you think um as a pats fan and just as a as an nfl fan do you think that uh, they'll keep cam newton 
You know, uh, well, so my final point on that would be, yeah, I hope they do because I think he's such, uh, first of all, the, the, the comments from the players on the coach, he's just a real inspiration. He works really hard, just as hard as, as anybody else. Right. And uh, uh, as I said, I, I think his talent's there. He just doesn't have the support around him or didn't this year. I think he will when other players come back. I agree, I agree with you. I think he's a good quarterback, uh, but he needs some, he needs some players, um, period, because yeah. you, you, you were so right. He, there was nobody to throw to. They, they, you know, I think the biggest pass he threw was seven yards or something. I mean, there was no receivers. So uh, we're turning in, we're morphing into a sports show right now, and this is kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like it. Good way to bring in the new year. Yeah, that's right. So we've got the uh, the uh, football playoffs coming up. Uh, do you have a favorite in that one, Notre Dame and Ohio State and uh, uh, well, Clemson? And you know what? I, I have been prone to, uh, because we have some neighbors on our street that are huge Roll Tide fans, Alabama Alabama fans, and we watch the college football, but we, we don't. Uh, of course, we're Gator fans. Uh, uh-huh. We like the Florida teams, but... Um, I, I've got to go for Alabama again this year to be to be number one. You know, Alabama, uh, they certainly have all the talent. They are so strong. I can't. I don't see how anybody can really knock them off. But uh, that's why they play the game. You know, <laughs> it, it, uh... right. And 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 you notice um, that when the NFL draft comes up in in April, you see how many players that always come into the NFL from Alabama. It's unbelievable. It is absolutely the case, Bill. Well, you know what? I just genuinely appreciate your friendship and your commentary here on the show. Before I let you go, any any good scoop on what's happening in Naples on the Paradise Coast? Well, you know, Bob, and I'll make it really quick. I'm 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 a little upset about the uh, about the vaccine and the uh, the distribution of mm-hmm. uh, and and they they had plenty of time to plan on this. Um, I mean, and I'm not. I'm not looking for any special treatment or anything else. I mean, I'm, I'm 80. There was no secret about it, but I haven't got a clue of, of what I'm supposed to do or, or uh, they haven't put anything about Collier County or somebody said they put it on there where you could go online and, and make an appointment. I didn't know anything about it. So I just think that they, they, they could have done a little bit better planning. That's all. Well, if, if not planning, then communication, it sounds like. Because yes. uh, something... If you know, in fact, I don't know who should be responsible. Of course, the the state's making the decisions. That, but it seems to me that local county officials or somebody should be in charge of making sure that people understand about the distribution plan and how it's going to happen. Right. Yeah. Right. Other than that, uh, I'm a happy camper moving into uh, 2021, and I look forward to being on your show next week. Absolutely, Bill Barnett. Again, I just genuinely appreciate your friendship, and thanks so much for being on the show. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you as well, Bob and Linda. Take care. Thank you so much. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. Kind of enjoyable. We didn't get a chance to talk to Byron Donalds, but uh, maybe that'll happen tomorrow. I I was going to do no show tomorrow, but I think I'm going to go ahead and do a show because I just found so much information that's uh, that's really interesting. So um, I hope you'll uh, tune in. Uh, and tomorrow, I'm not even sure I'm going to do it at 7. I may do it a little later just to get that <laughs> to, to, but anyhow, it'll be posted on the podcast, on the, uh, uh, as a podcast, uh, as well as on the, my website. Uh, I appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast. I hope you have a great New Year's. Please be safe and a namaste. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,
Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.